You're listening to Fresh Ideas for Teaching. Hi, everyone. This is Walter. The Fresh Ideas for Teaching podcast is presented by Savas Learning Company. I'm here with my colleague, Brandy Petrie, Director of Assessment and Learning Analytics at Savas Learning. Brandy, who do we have as our special guest today? Thanks, Walter. I'm really happy to be here today. And I have with me Tavi Chen and Shirley Lee, and they're joining me to discuss Assessment 101's The Basics. Tavi Wells-Chen is a senior software product manager at Savvis, focused on high-quality, teacher-friendly assessments. She's been working in the educational field, tutoring, teaching, training, and just really directing for 17 years. Most of her career was spent in public school systems in Florida, starting with teaching middle school science and math. After earning national board certification, Tavi moved to the district level to teach teachers the more rigorous math involved in the new set of standards there in Florida. She then transitioned into directing assessment, data, research, accountability, and evaluation in Duval and Orange Counties. Her dissertation was focused on interim assessments, and she enjoys her ed tech job where she can explore everything related to the future of assessment with folks equally as excited as she is. Shirley Lee is a senior learning scientist, psychometrician in the assessment and learning analytics team with over 10 years experience in educational research. Shirley received her PhD in educational psychology from the University of Connecticut. She specializes in the field of measurement, assessment, and evaluation. Since joining Savage, Shirley has been supporting the development of various assessment products here at the company. Thank you to both of you for joining me in this discussion today. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Randy. All right. So let's jump into this great discussion around Assessments 101. You know, as I think about it as a former teacher uh, teaching elementary school for over 10 years and just being in the industry, assessments can really, you know, sometimes be scary for, you know, educators and students alike. Um, So when you think about like, while we're assessing students so hard and what can we um, do as educators to make it easier for everyone involved. There's just so many layers and and dimensions to uncover, but I just want to start off by offering an introductory discussion on assessments and, um, you know, what does it mean when we say assessments and why don't we just say the word test? I mean, Tavi, you know, you're fresh out of the district office and, and you've dealt with many teachers over the course of uh, several years. And, and we, you know, we often work with teachers that are truly afraid of that word assessment or, or test. And so um, what, what, is, what does it mean when we say assessment and why don't we use the word test? When we say the word test, um, most people know what that means. Um, you know, you have a designated time, you sit down, um, there's a set of items or questions that the student responds to, and then it's done, the teacher grades it, or it's automatically graded, and, the, and then that's it. Um, but the word test is awfully limiting. Uh, when we talk about assessment, it's a much broader definition. So it includes those tests, but it also includes any process that you're gathering information and for the purpose of informing an instruction. So that could be something like looking around the classroom to see the students' faces, um, to try to gauge whether they're interested or um, uh, looking at what you're, what you're trying to point to. Um, it also includes tests. Um, it could include performance tasks, like for example, sometimes in music class, you'll have a student do a recital of of music to show to demonstrate that they can perform the task. 
Yeah, that's a good point to 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 make, Tavy. And as you think about it, you said something. Um, you know, just even looking at the students, and as you think about, you know, when I was a teacher, I was always assessing students from the minute they walked through the school door, they walked into my class. I'm looking, you know, are they having a great day? Do they have the things they need? You know, even when we do not realize that we're assessing them, the minute they walk through the door, you know, we started, I would always start assessing a student and it began from, um, you know, moment one. And if we look to see what kind of mood they're in or how they um, how they're acting that day, even during our, you know, the instruction and um, the back and forth questioning, it just it, we're always assessing students. And I think that's what teachers out there need to to realize is that you don't have to have a paper and a pencil and a, and a hard copy test or an online assessment to truly be assessing your students because you're always doing that from day one and minute one. Um, when you think about assessment and the relationship it does have with learning, what do you guys think the, the key factors are when you're thinking about uh, applying um, the assessment to the learning being done in the classroom? Uh, well, one key thing is you need to make sure that your learning targets are very clear. Mm-hmm. And that you're assessing in a way that can capture um, evidence that the students have reached those learning targets. Um, another thing is having a balanced assessment system, and that's kind of thrown around a lot. But basically, it just means making sure we're not relying exclusively on one type of assessment to gauge where they're at. We need to be looking at a bigger picture. So a lot of states, they have a state, ses- uh, state assessment at the end of the year. And, you know, certainly that's a component of a balanced assessment system, but it doesn't make up the whole system. We have classroom assessments that are going on um, formally and informally, like we were talking about before, that formative, like just looking around the classroom kind of assessment also has a place there. And then there are interim assessments, usually administered by the district, and are the same from school to school so that we can make kind of comparisons um, within, within the district or within a school. So all three of those um, levels, classroom, district, and state, come together to make the balanced assessment system. And I'd like to also emphasize that the quality of the assessments is paramount. Like when you're looking at a balanced system, you need to make sure you're not over-testing just for the sake of testing. Yeah, I agree. And and everything from whole group, small group, individual, and it's it's a group effort. You know, so many districts now have really brought on other people to do RTI and other type of assessment, even tutoring. Everyone is involved and it's all hands on deck when you're doing that. And so it's important to not only have a balanced assessment system, but for everyone to be equipped with the right knowledge around what that means. And and so many people are scared to say, hey, you got to give this assessment and people want to clam up and go, what does that mean? And so um, really knowing the difference and having those clear goals, you know, set uh, the purpose, the why behind it, that's, that's key. And in my opinion, I always let my students know the purpose, the why. And so it's, it's more not so much on the adults, but also on the children too, to understand um, the goal setting and understanding why we're actually trying to see exactly what they know or don't and how we can help move them forward. So that's just my my opinion on that. Um, thank you so much, Tavy, for that. You know, and you think about the world of assessment and thinking about those outcomes after setting those goals and uh, the plan set to, to meet those goals and to, to work towards mastery. You think of those outcomes and the um, and sometimes the data just may not truly be understood 
um, and what that data really means. What do these terms mean? What do I do with this data? Now I have it. What do I do with it? That's a whole nother podcast or conversation, um, if you will. You know, so for example, when we say screener diagnostic, we take for granted that the exact definition of what those terms mean when you think we got to give a screener or they're taking their diagnostic. And so how do you describe exactly what a screener and diagnostic is? If I'm, an, if I'm a teacher coming fresh out of college, I may not have had a course on assessment. I didn't. And that was a long time ago. I don't know about you guys, but I didn't know as a teacher, I just got the basics. I never knew what true assessment was and what those terms mean. So, you know, Tavia, as you've worked in, in those departments in those large counties in Florida, you know, if you had a teacher that had that misconception or just they just didn't know, what would you describe as a screener and a diagnostic? Yeah, so screener, um, you know, I just thought about I was baking cookies with my my daughter the other day. And, you know, there's a, a flour sifter to kind of get out the big uh, the big chunks in the flour. Right. So a screener assessment is kind of like that sifter. Um, so you yeah. dump your flour in. That's all your kids you're getting at the beginning of the year, right? You turn a little handle, crank it, and you know most of the flour comes out the bottom. But there are a couple, you know, larger chunks that kind of stay in there. And um, you know, I guess if you're a curious person like my daughter, um, you'd be kind of wondering why are these uh, big pieces staying up here? And uh, you might want to dig in further. Well, that's the diagnostic assessment to kind of look at, um, you know, what exactly is in here. Um, so sometimes, um, people will screen for lots of different things. Um, sometimes they'll screen for learning disabilities. A lot of teachers are, are familiar with that. Um, but there's other ways, um, to look at screeners. So maybe you are going to screen for which level of content the students are ready to start with or, um, to look at first. And, um, Diagnostic, similarly, you might have a diagnostic test for, let's say, dyslexia or for, um, you know, dyscalculia, something like that. Um, or you could have a diagnostic test that's given to or an assessment that's given to the whole class. Um, and maybe there's some variation just on the content in the diagnostic. So maybe some of your class is taking on grade level diagnostic assessment and some of them are taking the prior year because, it just we need to dig in a little bit further and see really where they're at. So that's the more granular um, information that we get out of the diagnostic. And like our last discussion earlier was, you know, I can remember going into a, a teaching third grade, I think I was, and I, I joined a new campus and my principal said, you know, give this diagnostic, that diagnostic. And I, I had to understand the purpose behind it. And so I really dove into what that meant for those different tests. And I think it's important. And it goes back to what we said earlier is equipping your students with the same knowledge. Why are you why are you being asked to do this? The purpose behind it and how does it really tie into their growth goals as students? And I think that's important. And we always think about us as the educators and the teachers, but we also need to think about the students and the misconceptions of, of testing. And that even goes to educating the parents. So many of our parents um, do not understand what all this means. And I think it's important to make sure they do. And, that, and that's as a teacher, when I would receive data, whether it was on a district-wide assessment or a state assessment, I made some type of tool to educate my parents on what these terms meant. And if you think about 
um, things like norming and stay nines and scaling and validity, all those great terms that truly have great meaning in the world of assessment. Not everybody does does know that. And so, you know, Shirley, I think about the work that you do every day um, and your expertise in the field of assessment and data. When you hear the word norm or when a teacher hears uh, we're norming or this is a norm reference test, you know, how would you describe that to a teacher and what does it mean to interpret those those scores from a norming perspective? Yeah, that's a great question, because when we talk about scores, um, Brandy got a score of 85. What does that mean? What we want is interpretations of given meaning to scores, right? There are two types of uh, ex explanation or interpretation of scores. One is norm referenced and then the other one is criteria referenced. So um, as for criteria references, it's easy to understand. Like, did, did the students get 85 who met or didn't, met, uh, didn't meet the criteria, right? That's an absolute answer to the question of interpretation. And norm reference is a little different. It's a relative answer. So norm is a typical performance of a group. And norming is a procedure we construct those norms, right? You want to know where my kid, kids are, um, you know, relatively to his peers. That's the main question you want to ask. So uh, for one example, like in a lot of uh, reports, Test reports would provide percentile ranks, and it actually compares students' performance to the national representative samples. It's like typically the students at the same grade level at this time of the year, how their performance compared to their peers. You know, I think every when you said that, I think about bringing my own child to the doctor. She's eighteen <laughs> now, but. Um, all those years where, you know, what she felt fell in a percentile and things that kind of has to do with the same thing. Um, and so that's really good. And, and, you know, in that same fashion, uh, what about scale score? What, what does it mean when there's the scale score? And if I'm a teacher, how do I interpret that? What does that mean to me as an educator? Right. So we talk about norms, like how you take one test and then what does it mean to you? And the scale score actually enables you to compare your scores uh, across different tests or across different times. So the other example, you know, I took a test, Shirley took a test and got a 75 and TV took another test, got a score of 65. So does that mean Shirley performed better than TV? Not really, because they took a different test, right? So difficulty levels might be different for different tests and they receive different questions. So how do we make comparisons between those two students to different tests? Uh, that's how we construct a common scale between those tests. So you can compare scores directly. So on the common scale, you get, you get, you know, the score of 65 and 75. They could be compared and you can draw a conclusion like 75 is better than 65. But that doesn't really mean like your raw score from each test. So that's one type of scale um, that we call the horizontal uh, scale scores. And we also have a different type of vertical scale, um, which you might hear a lot. And that type of score, 
that that type score is actually compared students performance over time. So that that's important, Shirley. So thank you. Thank you for describing that because we do hear that a lot. And I think it's important to know that though there's learning science behind these assessments. And so so many teachers and educators and even district leaders, they see this score on the paper, but they have to realize there is a science behind that score. And so that really is helpful um, when you're talking about norming, vertically scaling and things of that sort. So thank you. You know, thinking about that statement that I just made around, you know, what educators are seeing and the fear um, in the word assessment, um, what do you think that we can do to change that behavior, that knowledge? Um, You know, what can we do to help our fellow educators be equipped um, with the knowledge they need to go out and truly understand what assessment truly means? Are there any Tavier or Shirley, do you have any suggestions of resources or research out there that someone could go and just um, invest in themselves and read about or a podcast? Do y'all have any suggestions? Yeah, there are plenty of studies on teachers' assessment literacy. So assessment literacy is basically related to the topic we discussed before, like how we interpret uh, assessment results, uh, how we interpret all the reports and how we use assessment data to uh, direct our plans on learning instructional or instructional use and then all those things. I think that will be very helpful for teachers. Thank you, Shirley. I appreciate that. Tavi, have anything to add to that? Yes, um, I uh, highly respect the researchers at um, Center for Assessment. And they have developed a free um, learning module. They call it classroom assessment learning modules. It's 23 professional classroom assessment. They call them learning modules, but it's basically like sections. Um, And seven of those were offered um, as a result of the pandemic. So they're relating to that. You can go to their website, nciea.org, and just search for assessment literacy. Um, you'll find a wealth of information there. It's all free um, and it's it's unbiased. Um, so that's one one resource. Another is um, there are some authors that are in this field that have some some pretty good uh, books. They're accessible for teachers and um, really get at a lot of these um, words that we're talking about and how it really applies to the classroom and why we should um, why we should look at assessment further. One of them is Rick Stiggins. Um, Another is John Hattie. Um, And then uh, another is Carol Ann Tomlinson. I would highly recommend all three of those um, authors and they have different books um, all related to assessment. Good. Thank you. Thank you, KB. And I follow um, lots of thought leaders on Twitter and always remember that. And something I do highly recommend to teachers that I work with across the country is know your district assessment plan. If you are questioning um, the data behind it or what districts are using data for, how they expect you as an educator to do it, 
it's okay to ask questions and get with your accountability department to say, hey, what is our assessment plan if it's not out there? And just um, seek to understand. And I think the more you do that, the better you become and you give a little bit more purpose to your, your teaching and learning in the classroom. So I would I would suggest that just coming from uh, with a teacher lens. So, you know, this has just been really some great discussion. I know we could go on and on about testing and where we are as a country. And we're going to continue this podcast series around that. And so stay tuned for that. But this has been really good. You know, thanks, Tavy, for joining me today. Thank you, Brandy, so much for having me. You're welcome. And Shirley, thank you so much. Your expertise is, is so helpful um, in understanding all of this. So we appreciate you as well. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. You're welcome. And Walter, we'll turn it back over to you. And thanks for joining us today. Many thanks to all our guests for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe to the Fresh Ideas for Teaching podcast. Until next time. This Moving Learning Forward series is presented by Savvis Learning Company, a next-generation learning company providing award-winning solutions for grades pre-K through 12. Visit savvis.com today to request curriculum samples for your school or district. And you can keep the conversation going by following us on social media at Savvis Learning with hashtag Moving Learning Forward.